0: and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Why don't you open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to shift some of this musician's equipment back. Romans chapter 4. Just keep your finger in there uh, as I read from Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If you're using your phone, I don't know what that means. If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow! Anyone cracked any Easter eggs this week? You know, it, it's the one day of the year that my lactose intolerance is highlighted above every other day, while I look around and everyone's eating the wonderful milk chocolate, and I'm designated to the extra seventy percent dark chocolate, and uh, it was just—it's kind of okay, but it's just not quite the same, and uh, but. I just want to tell you a little story this morning, and it's a serious one because you know I, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen this morning. And, and I think it's, it's such a significant moment for us that I want to uh, tell you a story um, that happened on September 11, 2001. We all know this story very well. And there were four planes that day, and two of them hit the Twin Towers, one of them hit the Pentagon, and there was a fourth plane. The fourth plane was United Airlines Flight 93. It was a Boeing 757. Here's the thing with that flight. It was delayed on the tarmac for 42 minutes. And because it was delayed on the tarmac for 42 minutes, the people on that flight heard through through phones and, and uh, different things about what had already happened that morning. And so the people had insight into what had happened. And the... the um, as the plane went up the the hijackers of the plane told them that they were going to land at a different airport but they knew based on what they heard that that wasn't going to happen they knew that it was going to be the end of their lives and it uh, was it was a 182 a, a, um, seater plane but only 37 uh, passengers were on board and about eight eight, um, eight employees uh, there was there was something like 30,000. Litres of fuel on that plane. I don't know about your car. My holds about seventy litres. This plane had thirty thousand litres of fuel on it. And uh, eventually, the the passengers took hold, took control of the plane, and uh, it got it crashed um, into some a field in Pennsylvania. Now, because the plane had been delayed and the people knew that something was going to go down, they were aware and they prepared themselves. You see the other the assumption is that they were like this plane where the hijackers said, we're going to take you to another airport. airport. We're hijacking the plane, but everything is okay. So people remain seated. They remain they remained semi-calm because they thought that the hijackers were just taking them to another airport where they could do some negotiation. But this flight, this flight's 37 passengers knew. One of the passengers, Thomas Burnett Jr., told his wife over the phone, he said this, he said, I know we are all going to die. And there's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey. And he hung up. Another guy by the name of Todd Beamer was heard saying over another line, let's roll, get ready. Sandy Bradshaw, a flight attendant, said this. She was talking to her husband and she said, I'm, I'm filling up pitchers with boiling hot water. And her last words to him were, "Everyone's running to first class. I've got to go." By. The passengers fought the four hijackers. They're suspected to have attacked the the cockpit door with a uh, with a fire extinguisher. They attacked the fire ex- the door with a fire extinguisher. They wrestled the plane, and the plane was was turned upside down and ended up flying down into a field where. Every one of the passengers on the plane was killed but nobody else. And uh, 45 people were killed that day, but the intended target, we still don't know what it was. Some say it was the White House, some say it was Capitol Hill, some say it was a, uh, one of the nuclear plants, Camp David, some say. We do not know what, what the target was, but what we do know that that target was never hit. And the people who were at that target were liberated Because a group of people chose that day a greater good than their own freedom. They chose today to put someone else's life before their life. And I'm blessed every time I hear that story. I'm blessed because I know that the greatest freedom that we can experience in humanity, the, the, the way that we change the world is when individuals choose a good greater than themselves. When individuals put the value of the next generation in front of their own value. This is where we see a world change. This is how we change the world. We put something of greater value, a future generation's value in front of us. And those people did that that day. I love the the quote from old William Wallace of of, um, Braveheart. He says, All men die, but not all men really live. And isn't it interesting that when death is imminent... You see, there were were, um, four flights that day and death was imminent for all of them, but only one of the planes knew that it was imminent. The other three planes didn't know, so they assumed potential. We don't know. I'm assuming here. We don't know, but one plane knew. They knew that it was imminent and they said, we are going to die, so if I'm going to die, I want to make sure someone else lives because of my death. I want to make sure that someone else can go home and see their family if I'm not going to be able to go and see mine, I want to make sure that somebody else come and my death is not for no purpose. Courage comes when we have an enhanced perspective of life. When you know that your time is coming, when you know that, that, your, to, that your life is coming to an end, you have an enhanced perspective of life. You know we, We've had some amazing men and women of God pass away in this church and each one of them I've tried to capture, if I can, something from them. You know, we captured some amazing words from Bruno Benz before he passed. I had an amazing moment with Keith Tunley. We've had some uh, amazing times with, with uh, Christine, Ray, but all sorts of people we've, we've spoken to, we've shared, we heard. Remember Ray prayed for us that day. We handed him the mic in his wheelchair and he prayed for the whole church. There's people who, who are at a point where they know that the end of this life is coming. They get a new perspective of the reality and the greatness of our opportunity here on earth. See, fear and anxiety are squashed when death is imminent. You, start, you take risks that you wouldn't usually take. The greatest, the, the greatest time we have fear and anxiety is when the, the, the reality of that is not even real. Anxiety is generally feeling fear about something that's probably not going to happen. But when we know it's going to happen, we gain a new courage, We gain a new strength. We gain a new desire to make our life valuable, to make our life worthwhile, to make sure that someone else beyond our life benefits from our story. Today is Resurrection Sunday. When we celebrate the risen Lord. Have you ever thought about the planning that went into sending Jesus to die for us? You know, I, I, I imagine the conversation in heaven. Now, the mysteries of heaven, well, I cannot explain to you today. So, you know, the mysteries of the Trinity, I cannot explain to you. The mystery of, you know, whether they actually had conversations, I'd, I'd like for all you Bible scholars to put that aside for just one moment and allow me, you know, this, allow me this hallucination for us to sit and imagine the discussion between the father the son and the spirit because you know we don't know you know he's the god who was and is and is to come he's all knowing but you know they, they let's let's consider right now that there was a conversation about sending jesus to earth to see us set free and i'm thinking god's saying it's not looking good down there people are choosing selfishness they're choosing you know and it's getting worse with each generation sin upon sin bad decision upon bad decision it gets amplified in each generation they're saying it's not looking good and the Holy Spirit says he hovers over and he says uh, one of us may need to go down and have an intervention have an intervention with these people and Jesus says this he says send me I'll go. I'll go and I'll make a way for you. And God says to his son, he says, you know what that means, don't you, son? Jesus nods. And I, you know, I, I, I can think of Jesus considering you know, those, those words of Isaiah in, in Isaiah 53. Jesus nods and he says, yep, I'll have to become fleshly Like humans for a while. People's weaknesses I'll have to carry. I'll have to be pierced for their rebellion. I'll have to be bruised for their sins. I'll have to be beaten so they can be whole and whipped so they can be healed. I'll be oppressed and treated hardly, yet I will not be able to say a word. I will be led like a lamb to the slaughter. I'll have to be unjustly condemned. And no one will care that I will die without any descendants, that my life is cut short in midstream. God nods his head and says, that's right. The father looks at him and says, but you will endure it. Because there's a greater joy on the other side of all that pain. A great good. Jesus said, I see thousands upon thousands of people renewed, restored, reconciled, set free, full of hope, full of faith, full of love, seated with us in glory. I know I'll have to be delivered up, Jesus says. I know I'll have to be delivered up and be crucified. Because of their offenses to you, Father. But here's the thing. When I am risen, when I raise, when I am resurrected, not only will they be free from their offenses, they will be my brothers and sisters. They will be fellow heirs. And Jesus, his Father and the Holy Spirit look around heaven and they go, they will be fellow heirs of this. And not only this, Jesus says, in between me going and them coming, I will go and I'll prepare an even better place for them. I'll prepare an even better place for brothers and sisters. They will be joint heirs as far as you can see in heaven. It's time, Father, send me, Jesus says. You see, we discussed on Friday that Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have called on 12 legions of angels and destroyed the world and set himself free but he chose a greater good than his own peace, a greater good than his own safety. It says in that verse that I asked you to look up, Romans 4, verse 25. It says Jesus was delivered up for our offenses to God. He was delivered up for our offenses. He was crucified for our offenses. Friday was all about our sin. And then it says he was resurrected for our justification he was resurrected for our justification you see we read throughout the old testament that every time someone disobeyed god that sacrifice needed to be made we understand that when we take communion when we take that communion it says we remember his death until he comes You see, Jesus' death is what took care of our sin. So what was his resurrection for? His death took care of our sin. His death brought us back into into the fold. And his death allowed us to, to walk tall. What did his resurrection do? His resurrection is so much more. You see, Christ's death takes care of all of our yesterdays. Who's got a yesterday? I've got some yesterdays, you know, and and some of them I'd like to forget, some of them I'm happy about, but God's taken care of them. See, some of the ones that I'd like to forget, you know, they keep popping up into my mind. And and some of the ones that I love to remember keep popping up into my mind. The ones that I'd like to forget make me feel worthless. The ones that I I love to remember make me feel full of pride. Either way, he's taking care of both of them and his resurrection, his risen state. The fact that Jesus is now alive is taking care of my tomorrow. Not only are we free of yesterday, but we're now part of the greatest dynasty, the greatest family that ever lived. You know those great names that we celebrate? You can imagine the, you know, the, the US president election coming up soon. It looks like we may have another Bush versus Clinton. You know what I mean? We don't, know, we, you know, we don't necessarily know these people, but their names are well known. Their names are well known. If you're bought into the Bush family, into the Clinton family, if you're bought into one of these dynasties, you know, you're a person of prominence and of purpose. And people, when they recognize your name, they assume that there's something good about you. They assume that there's something powerful about you. Here's the thing. The family of the eternal God, who is, who always was, and who will be forever, this is our family. You see, there's a name, when we hear those names, when we hear those great names in society, when we hear those influential names in our own nation, we think, wow, they're they're amazing names. Imagine being born into that family. Well, we were born into a family that holds the name that is above every other name. The name that is above every other name. You see, when Jesus rose, we rose with him. When Jesus rose, you rose with him. And when you rose with him, you took on that mighty name of Jesus. You took on, you're no, longer, you're no longer an usher. You know, James and I, we're the servers in the church. He's the butler. I'm the usher. He opens the door. I'll take you to your seat. Let me just honor this bloke. You know, we, 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 um, Jamie, you know, he's, he, he's, his name is right. He's a servant heart, you know, a drummer. This is, is over in the States um, recording some um, rockabilly music. And here we are. James says, we got no drummer. Three weeks ago, he says, well, I better learn the drums. So he learns the drums. And then the last week and this week, there he is in there. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Knocking those skins like he's been doing it all his life, hey? Amazing. 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 You see not only are we free from yesterday we are part of the greatest family the greatest name that is goes beyond every other name You see eventually names die out eventually a son is not born that cannot that can that can reproduce that name eventually names on earth die out but the name that is above every other name the name that you carry the name that you walk under will never fail it will never it will never pass away. It is an eternal name. It's the name of Jesus. And we go in that name. We pray in that name. We live in that name. We glorify that name. And we are thankful for that name because we are free forever in that mighty name of Jesus. So we go on to Romans 6, 4. It says, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. You see, when Jesus died, it took care of our sin. When we're baptized, when we when we when we lay down, submersed under that water, it it represents what happens when we give our life to Him. We we are submersed. We die with Him, we die with Christ. But here's the thing: it goes on, so that when so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You see, the resurrection, it's not about you just being free from sin. Jesus' death took care of the sin. His death took care of your yesterdays. But his resurrection is pointing you to your tomorrows. He's saying there's a newness of life. So it's not about just resurrecting your old life up until this point. There's a newness of life. It's better. It's more powerful. You're actually being adopted into his family. There is a newness of life. See, Friday we dealt with your weakness and your selfishness. Friday we dealt with my weakness and my selfishness. Today we deal with the rest of your life. You see, Jesus is alive, therefore we are really alive. We are alive because he is alive. And it's time to walk in a new hope. It's time to walk tall with a new confidence church. It's time to stand according to your family name. When, you go, when I go according to the name of Usher, when I go according to the name of Usher, I go in the strength of men. When I go according to the name of Jesus, I go according to the power and the authority of heaven. And who knows, you want to go according to the power of heaven than to the power of your earthly father. He was raised for our justification big word. Just for what? Excuse me? Sorry about that. We ask these questions about justifying all the time, don't we? How do they justify the price of fuel? Oil's going down, but fuel stays the same. How do they justify those prices? How do they do it? How do they justify those prices? Let me ask you this question. How do you justify yourself standing so tall, so confident, so full of grace, so full of hope when your life up until now has been full of sin, full of mistakes and full of tragedy? How do you justify yourself? How do you justify the hope that is in you? You see, the Apostle Paul says, always be ready to explain the hope that is in you. You have been justified by what? We've been justified by his grace. We've been justified because he is risen and we rose with him. We need to be ready to explain the hope that is in this. Jesus said, come all who are weary and heavy laden. Come all who are weary and heavy laden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We heard that great word from Lorraine this morning about casting off your burden. Are you ready to explain the hope? How did you, how did you get rid of your burden? I just gave it away I gave it to Jesus along with the rest of my life and now I'm free and now I carry his yoke and his burden let me tell you it's easy and it's light and it's full of hope and it's full of opportunity and no yesterday bothers me anymore I'm walking into a tomorrow where there is opportunity where there is confidence where there is hope where there is newness of life and I'm going to live it to the full because I know that death is imminent so I'm going to live life to the full I've only got a few years left on this planet. I'm 41 this year. I mean, it's just about over. Death is imminent. I'm just kidding. You know what they say? They say you've got three score and ten. Three score and ten is all that God promises. Three score and ten. That score is 20 years. Ten is ten. Three, just in case. That's 70 years. Put your hand up if you're over 70. You people are in bonus. You're in bonus time, people. You're in bonus time. If you're if you're if you're still if you're still riding it after seventy, then God wants to do some business through you. He's promised you to get to seventy. If you're going on seventy, He's saying, "Well done, good and faithful servant." He's saying, "I want to do some more business through you." He's saying, "Your time is not done." You're like David, who says, "Do not forsake me, Lord, until I've declared Your greatness to this generation." Make sure every day you find someone to declare His greatness too, because He has promised us three three score and ten, and He is. He's given you more. He's given you more. He's saying, use every moment, no matter how old you are, use every moment and live in that newness of life. Do not let a yesterday rob you of your tomorrow. We've said, you know, if you sell your yesterday says you were bought with a price. If you've sold your yesterday, do not go back to your yesterday, live in your tomorrows, live in your today. He's saying, I've taken care of yesterday. I am the God who was. I took care of every mistake that you made. But right now for you, I am the God who is and the God who is to come. And I want you to live according to what I am doing through you and in you now and forevermore. If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul said this, he said, It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives in us. Christ lives in you. We need to stop wishing we were somewhere else. We need to stop wishing we were with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Right here, right now is God's place for you. Don't wish you were somewhere else. Don't wish you were with someone else. He's saying live and obey and love and believe right here. You see where you live and who you're with and how much, you, how much you have doesn't define you. God defines your life, not your relationship status, not your financial status. God defines your life. And the reason that we understand this, the reason that we understand this is because of this day. We were praying this morning, fellow. Like God said, do not lose the gravity of the situation. Do not lose the gravity of what we're celebrating today, that he is risen. He is risen and therefore he is risen in us. We died with him and we rose with him. He's saying, live according to that newness of life. Live according to that grace. Know that, that nothing on this earth, no created thing can define you. Only I can define you, says the Lord. And when I define you, I say, you're full of hope, you're full of life, you're full of truth, you're full of grace and I've got some work I want to do through you. I've got some inheritance that I want to give through you. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and our failures. We are the sum of our Father's love in us. Why doesn't the band jump up? first corinthians 7 23 we we read you were bought with a price and it goes on to say this statement it says do not become slaves of men you know as we celebrate that jesus is alive we celebrate the victory of his resurrection he reminds us of that price he reminds us that his life His coming to earth, His death was the price of our lives. And when we accept Him as our Savior, you know, we we sign that contract. He bought us with a price. He bought us with a price. So then He says, do not become slaves of men. What does that mean? We become slaves of people when we allow them to define who we are. We become slaves of people when we allow people to define our worth. You see, when Jesus was resurrected and you accepted him as your saviour, your stock value skyrocketed. When you accepted him as your Lord, your stock value skyrocketed. You know, it's like you're looking around for a new wife or a new husband and you want to marry some money. Marrying money is a good thing, isn't it? Because you didn't have any and now you got a lot. We're called the bride of Christ. Let me tell you, church, as a church, when we chose Jesus as our Savior, we married some serious coin. We accepted a Savior. We accepted a Savior who's the son of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We accepted uh, a relationship with a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the God whose, whose streets are paved with gold. You know, Kristen's worried about an eternity ring. She sends, you know what I mean, a little bit of gold wrapped around her finger. I said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that, Kristen. We're going to eternity where the streets are paved with gold. The streets are paved with the stuff. What do you want it around your finger for? We're walking on it every day. See, when Jesus was resurrected and you chose him as your Savior, your stock skyrocketed your value went up. When you took on his name, you all of a sudden became valuable. All the way to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and reserved in heaven for you. This is who we are. This is what today, today represents. It represents the fact that Jesus is risen. No longer are our yesterdays holding us back. We are now being adopted in. We've been adopted into God's family. We are now the children of the Lord. We're now brothers. Jesus says, you're my brothers and my sisters. We are fellow heirs of his grace. We're fellow heirs of that incorruptible inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us. will not you stand with me this morning, church? As we remember this, the, the gravity of this day, we're going to take communion. Communion today is out the front, on the left and on the right, and we're about to sing that Christ alone cornerstone song. And as we sing this song, I'd just like you to get out of your seat and come and take the bread and the wine from the table in front, and then from the table at the front, and then take it back to your seat and just take it in your own time. Jesus said these two things. He says, take eat, This is my body, which is broken for you. This is part of the price that he bought you. His body was broken. Then he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do it in remembrance of me. We remember today the gravity of not only his death, but his resurrection. We remember the gravity of not only that our, that our yesterdays have been taken care of but that our tomorrows are full of hope and that our name no longer hinders us. Our family name no longer hinders us. Our earthly father no longer decides our worth. Our, our, the leaders in our society no longer decide our worth. We are, we are worthy because we have chosen Christ as our Savior and Lord. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we lift up that mighty name of Jesus today. We thank you. We thank you that this day, each year, Lord, beyond every other day, we celebrate the fact that you are risen. We celebrate that fact that is written in history, that is written in your words. But most of all, it's written on our hearts that you are risen and that you are alive and that you are glorified and that you've gone to prepare a place for us. Lord, we thank you, Father. We remind ourselves today that you are worthy of all our praise. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We thank you that our hope is in you, Lord. We wait for that glorious appearance of your second coming, Father, where we will rise to meet you in the air and live an eternal life with you. So we thank you for that mighty act. We thank you for that mighty resurrection and we go now in your name. And as we take this cup, we take this bread, Father, we remember that we were bought with a price and that because we were bought with a price, we remember that you are the definer of our worth. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.